Okay. Thanks a lot, everybody, for being here today to our podcast on our another one of our episodes of Success Training. I'm happy to have uh, Senior Master Laura Sanborn here today, and I'm Greg Moody. And we are looking forward to doing our next topic today, which is going to be on vision and goal setting. So, uh, Master Sanborn, happy to have you here today. Thank you, sir. I'm happy to be here. You had some questions for me to kind of kick off what we were going to talk about today? I did, sir. The first thing I wanted to know is what is the difference between having a vision and having goals? Well, the difference between vision and goals, and I think these two things get kind of interchanged a lot. And kind of before we start on that, I, I wanted to really point out the, the big reason why this is a, an important thing. And we, we hear goals and and uh, having a vision and having a mission statement and all these things kind of talked about in business. And we have, have things like this talked about in school and we have it talked about with, with kids and development and, and what all this means and why it all matters. And for the most part, people don't really do much of any of this or they do it a little bit and then they, they give up on it. They write down some goals that they want to have and they may refer to that later or maybe don't. And um, what we know is, is that when people, uh, let me share my screen here a little bit, when people um, are setting goals, that they get, they get 10 to 100 times more success. So let me get this up, just so everybody visually can kind of see it. When they, when they do set goals, they get 10 times to 100 times more success in their life. And, and that would be measured in terms of maybe money in the bank or be in terms of better relationships or in terms of better uh, jobs or better results in school for kids or better success in their sports for kids or better, better whatever they're wanting to do. And, and you can look at examples of this. Um, if you want to look at personal examples, uh, you can look at CEOs of companies and look at their stories or people who have written biographies or um, sports stars or um, successful business people. Any of those people, and you read about them, they've always got some stage in their life where they decided something they were going to do. And so the difference between goals and vision is the goals are kind of the outcome. I kind of drew this out, out of order. Goals are the outcome of having a big vision, like a big idea of what, what the outcome of my life is going to be, the big result of my life is going to be. So vision is going to have some emotional content. And that sounds a little, um, a little overly psychological to some people. But when you, when you imagine your vision of where you're going to be at the, at the, not at the end of your life, but when your life is progressing and you've accomplished some things, it should have, it should feel satisfying. It should feel fulfilling. It should feel like, you know, you've uh, achieved something that's substantial for yourself. So having a vision might be, um, might be when you've graduated, I, I'm, I'm having a vision of being a successful business person. I have a vision of, um, being um, successful at the at the career I've, I've intended. What's that look like and how does that feel for you? You're going to know that because it's a big, big overarching idea of what your life is going to look like. And there's a, there's a fulfillment and a satisfaction component that should have some emotional component for yourself. Goals are the individual achievements that are going to get you to your vision. So these are individual um, achievements. 
that gets you to the big vision, the big vision of what you're what you want to do in your life. And what's important about this is if people don't put these pieces together and have a vision for what their life is going to look like, and then separately after they do that, set goals to get there, they won't get as many results. They'll get about they'll get one times results. If you do this stuff, then we know based on research that you get a lot more results. You get 10 times to 100 times more results in your life. And again, that's measurable. Um, We can measure that in lots and lots of different types of studies and different ways that measure it. And you can look at either from research or you can look at biographies and personal examples of people that have achieved a lot. They didn't just do it by you know, working really hard. Working really hard is great and it's a prerequisite, but it's not the answer to achieving a lot or being very, very successful. Being very, very successful requires these two things. Uh, we Again, we know this uh, by, by a lot of examples. Um, Having a vision other, is okay. intentional. Yeah, Having- it's intentional. They've got to decide ahead of time. That's right. So that's a good point here. It's intentional. We just have to decide on what that vision is. It's not just falling in our lap. It's not made for us. Now, along those lines, though, frequently we get a parent talking to us about this because very frequently we have a lot of our students or kids. And so a parent might say to us something like, um, well, I want my kid to come up with their own goals or their own vision. Well, your kid's only four or five or six years old, or maybe they're seven or eight or nine or 10 or 11 or 12. Even, even if they're anywhere under 18, their goals and their vision for their life, because they're young, because they're, they're not well-developed, is going to be very short-term focused because they haven't been living that long. So it's going to be focused on um, having fun, uh, playing video games. If you really want to know what their biggest motivations are going to be, it's those kind of things. So their motivations for their life are going to be based on short-term, short-term uh, fulfillment. And there's nothing at all wrong with that. That's what it should be because they're kids. So to expect a kid to have a big vision for their life is is um, is kind of uh, is backwards. What parents need to do is create a framework for kids to have a big vision, for parents to have a big vision for their kids, so their kids have a framework to achieve. And then when kids are 18, 19, 20, when they go to college or they get out of college, they have a framework for them, themselves later to have a bigger vision. And again, you can look at examples like this. Um, Richard Branson, CEO of Virgin Airlines, has some good examples in his book. Um, and again, you could go through lots and lots and lots of different examples of people that are very successful. Their parents either created a framework for them when they were young or something in their life happened, sometimes tragically, and they created their own framework in spite of what their parents did. But it never happened that their parents said, okay, what are your goals? And then, okay, fine, go ahead and do what you want. That just never happened. So for it's really important, this intentionalness for, for us as parents, and both you and I are parents, so we, we kind of can really relate to this. It has to be decided on, uh, we are the ones that decide this for our kids at an early age, give them a framework for doing big, exciting, incredible things. And then they'll learn that process as they grow. And then next, they learn how to set goals so that their results are this 10 to 100 times more. And they start 
become it becomes a natural process for them and they don't struggle when they're an adult. So the difference, um, you're not saying, okay, so you're saying parents need to do this for their kids as far as having vision, helping them develop a vision and a goals. It's not the same as a parent saying, oh, my kid's going to be a doctor. He's three years old and saying, my kid's going to be a doctor. That's what his life is going to be. And I'm going to make that happen. You, if you wanted to, if that was really important to you, you could say that. I mean, we know everybody's probably knows parents that have that idea. Maybe it's the family, you know, you were a doctor and your, your mom and dad were a doctor and the parents before them were doctors and you want your kid to be a doctor, doggone it. And so that, that, that's what you want for your kid. What we also know is that, you know, kids have a lot of choices and they may choose different things and encouraging them to uh, take biology and encouraging them to do other stuff and go to camps that might be related to medicine might be, good for you, you know, might make you feel good and have a a vision that that might be something on the menu that they would uh, want to choose from and and give them a lot of opportunities to choose those types of occupations. Sure, there's nothing that would hurt them in doing that. But you, we probably need to be admitting that that may not be the thing that they would definitely choose in the end. If you force them to do that particular profession and get that narrow in what their vision is, then you, you may have some trouble. They might choose that that's the perfect thing for them to do, but they may not. So the vision for your kid, the structure of that might be might look more like, I want my kid to be able to speak in public and be able to become a CEO if they choose to. I want my kid to be able to have the skills to be able to talk to anybody in any situation. I want my kid to be able to be able to be a doctor, be able to be strong enough to um, it, speaking in public is a big one for us because we train people to do that. And we know that's the number one fear in America. So I have a vision of my kid being able to stand up in front of a crowd and be able to speak. I want my kid to be able to protect themselves. I want both mentally and physically, not just physically, like traditionally people feel martial arts, but I want my kid to have, to be able to choose those type of professions. I want my kid, my kid to have the discipline to be able to be on their own once they're in college and be able to take care of themselves. Those are kind of big picture visions, but also it's okay to have vision as your kid gets older. Some of those things will start to narrow down into occupations that they want and then encourage them along those paths and have high expectations for what they might do. But if they're three years old and you say, he's, he's, you know, he's going to be a doctor, she's going to be a doctor. um, That, that may be something you really want, and we've had parents that really want their kid to do those kind of things. That uh, is okay if you have that idea in your head. My my sense would be that we'd want to make sure that they have a lot of the skills so that they can do that if they choose to. Wouldn't that be great if they're so strong that they can do that if they choose to? They can be capable of those things. And that's what we want for them. You, you as a parent have to allow them to be capable. The opposite of that is... I'm going to let my kids choose what they want to do. I'm going to let my kids choose their goals. They're probably not going to choose ones that push them to their limits. What we want them to be able to do is be pushed to their limits so they learn to push themselves to their limits and and have really exceptional outcomes and look for exploring lots of different opportunities when they're older. So can you start teaching, how early can you start teaching vision to children? I mean, we start kids as young as three and we start talking about vision and goals. Is that effective with them? And what are the long-term effects of starting that young on having a vision? Well, in almost every uh, situation, whether you think about sports, 
Um, or you think about um, kids on one end of a spectrum to another end of a spectrum of development. So some kids that are super talented and some kids that are maybe not, you know, under talented in, in certain areas and maybe have a developmental disability, but, but also kids that are exceptionally talented. So wherever you would be on the bell curve, we know that starting training and work on something at a young age is more effective than starting it at a later age. And one, one area of that would be, there's lots and lots of examples, but one area of that would be language development. If you start teaching a kid another language at three years old, they learn it more effectively than if they started learning it. Well, for us as adults at, you know, I'm 55, I start learning a language. It's harder for it to get in, uh, to, to learn it at an older age. So those of us that are adults that are trying to learn a language, you know that that's, that's difficult unless you've had some practice. Now, one thing we know about language, and this applies to other learning, is if you learn another language when you're young, it's easier to learn an additional language as you get older. So some of the brain function that we have when we, um, that we uh, get when we learn more skills and we become more developed becomes transferable. Our brain becomes more capable and pliable as we become older. So there's a couple pieces of what I'm saying there. One piece is, is that starting young and learning exceptional skills, new skills, kind of like what we're doing with martial arts, we're doing a lot of different skills that we teach them, allow them to transfer these other skills in other areas. One of those is physical activity, of course, because we're doing physical activity and ours is very well-rounded. They're using their feet and their hands and their, their, um, their upper body and lower body. They're using everything, really. They have to focus and they have to do a lot of things when they do the sport activity. But also the mental activity of we require very rigid and strict discipline in the class as we do that. So that relates to them having to control their bodies and control their mental capacity during the time as they're young. If they learn to do those things, learn to uh, control their emotions, but also express their emotions, control their mental facility and express their mental faculty, and then physically also control and express it, then those can be translated just like the language example that I used. Even though we're not teaching language, we're teaching all these other skills. So when you start young, your brain has more capability of expansion in these other areas. That, that would be one example. Um, let me give you another example about, about vision. Um, I don't know if it's time to do the past, present, future uh, example with this, but maybe it is. So yeah. what, we would, what we would talk with a parent about as we would work with um, a, a new parent, is we talk about how they how a child starts with this, and usually in about two weeks, we talk about goals or vision, and I, these are a little bit interchangeable at this point. And then over time, and when a, when a child starts with this, and usually a parent would have some goal for their child, like to develop some self-discipline or some self-confidence, or maybe get safer or build some physical fitness, there, there might be a goal that they have for their kid. And if a child's three years old and they have to qualify for being in our program uh, and be able to get some minimal physical skills, but if they're three years old and they, they do qualify, then we check in with them after about, a, about two weeks. And we'll say after about two weeks, what they've achieved so far, what they've gotten so far. And usually in about two weeks, there's been some progress made. Is it uh, world altering progress in two weeks? Probably not, but it's going to be some progress. And usually it's pretty substantial progress in a couple of weeks. And let's say it's on discipline. So we'll maybe see them focusing better. 
And we might see them focusing better at home in some way. Like maybe they're, they're listening the first time that they uh, get asked to do something. Maybe they're putting their toys away. Maybe they're doing something specific. And this again is, would be for a three or four-year-old. And we'd want to see some examples like that. And then what we we're going to ask a parent to do is project out if they continue some progress like that all the way up to, um, you know, along for, for quite a bit of time and they continue working on these skills, maybe to first degree black belt, which would be first degree black belt takes about three years and that'd be first degree black belt. Um, what that focus is going to look like. So if they have more focus, what would a three-year-old in three years, that'd be six years old, they'd be starting about first grade. What would that look like and how would that affect first grade? And we want the parent to really think about what would matter for them, what would be important for a parent. And then at second degree black belt, what would that look like? That'd be at about five years after they started. And that, so the child would be, if they started three, about eight years old. So that may be second or third grade. And what what that would look like at that point. And then think about what that focus is going to look like and how the development's going to look like. This isn't quite to scale, but when they're an adult. And I think anybody listening to this can think about an adult that's very disciplined and very focused and has really good skills. They show up on time. They do all the stuff they're supposed to do, but also can stand up in front of people and stay focused in a big group and um, is kind of a leader of a group and is the one that uh, does the stuff they're supposed to do, but also people respect because they're focused. And then maybe the other person that never learned that focus. And, and you might all right now, as you're listening to this, envision a friend of yours that doesn't have very good focus. I give everybody a chance and a minute as they're listening to this to think about that. Somebody who doesn't have very good focus and isn't very disciplined right now as an adult, Master Samor, maybe you can think of somebody that you know, uh, maybe that we've talked about before. And what the difference is between this person that does have a lot of focus and is very disciplined and can stand up in front of people and can speak in public and can lead other people. And then this person who doesn't have very good discipline, somebody you work with maybe who isn't very focused and doesn't get their job done and can't stand up and is afraid to talk to people and that kind of situation. And Understanding the difference between these two things really helps a parent get in touch with what the vision of what their kid would look, what they want the vision of their kid to be and what they want their kid to be like. Now, that's not, I want my kid to be a doctor. When you, like what you asked before, this isn't, he's going to be a doctor. She's going to be a doctor. Uh, she's going to be the CEO of a Fortune 500 company. Um, it's not that, but it's pretty important skills that allow them to do anything they want. They could be, uh, they could get into Annapolis. They could uh, be an astronaut. They could be wh whatever they want. These are skills that would be transferable to anything else. Does that make sense? Yes, sir. So this is a process we do with every student after a couple of weeks. And then we might revisit this on a regular basis to make sure we re-engage with what the vision would be. So this would be vision. And then the goals would be how you're going to get to these. Now, one of the goals for us would be first degree black belt, second degree black belt. But there might be other goals here, like other goals they have in school. Um, for if it's a three or four year old, there might be other goals, like other things they have in sports that they're doing or other things they're having. Uh, if they're having some problems 
with school or problems developmentally, they might have goals there. If they're very talented and they've got some uh, things they're excelling in, maybe they have some goals and they're doing a piano recital uh, and they're exceptional in that area, or there might be other things that are related to that. And we want all those things to contribute towards success as an adult. So if I've got, I've set the vision for my child and my, my vision is that the child, my kid is an adult who is independent, not living at home, successful in a job, whatever job they've chosen on or whatever career, um, they can successfully support themselves, go out in the world and not be afraid of everything. Once I've set that vision, so then the goals are the stepping stones to get there. What is the process for setting those goals? That's a great question. So the process, and we have a, we have a great handout. You can see at karatebuilt.com slash vision. Um, again, that's, uh, let me just write that here. Karatebuilt.com slash vision. So you can get this, um, these steps at that, at that uh, link at our website. But there's a, a few steps once you set the vision. And... And these are pretty simple, and this, but they are also why people don't generally do, uh, do goals properly when they're not successful with goals. So step number one is pretty straightforward. Step one is brainstorming. And, and if you're for parents, which is who we're talking to kind of on this podcast, but this would be for you to, for you as well as an adult. Um, you'd spend 20 to 30 minutes or, well, really 30 to 60 minutes, 30 to 60 minutes. And this is going to feel like a long time. And you'd write down goals and your, your target would be to get to 60 to hundred goals for your kid. Now where this gets confused a little bit is they go, some, a parent hands their kid a piece of paper, especially if it's an eight or nine year old that can write and they say, okay, write your goals down. No, that's not at all what we're doing. Well, again, what we've talked about this whole time is for a parent is uh, they are setting their, go their goals for their kid. The vision was the parent's vision and the goals are the parent's goals for their kid, not the kid's goals. Now, if the kid has some goals, include those in there. The kid can be participating in this. In fact, I recommend it. But both parents and any caregivers or um, if, if it's a divorced family, then then all the parents that are involved should be part of it. If, if um, people don't get along, that's fine. They can do it separately or one parent can choose to do it. It's however that works out for you and your family. But brainstorm for 30 to 60 minutes, minimum of 30, and your target would be 60 to 100 goals for your kid. So that's step one. What I'll tell you is after about 15 minutes, you're going to get stuck and you're going to, I can't think of it anymore. And that's when the best goals come out is when you really try to dig into what do I really want for my kid? What would I really like them to learn? Is there a language you'd like them to learn? Is there a place you'd like them to visit? Would you like them to travel some? Would you like them to do a, uh, would you like them to go to college? Would you like them? One of my favorite ones is uh, buy a car with their own money that they earn themselves. That was what I, a goal I had for my kid when he was 16. And he did that. He bought his own car with his own money that he earned himself. So that was an important one for me. Um, different goals along the way that will contribute to what you want them to achieve with your, with your vision for their kid. Again, it's not your kid's goals. By, by the way, I would expect, I would, I would encourage you rather to do this for yourself first. 
do it for yourself. Spend, and this is what I do when I do a seminar for adults is I'll do the goal setting workshop just for the adults. They do uh, an hour of this and I give them feedback along the way with the, with the goals. So that's step one. Most of you will probably only be able to handle 30 minutes of this. <laughs> step two, step two is evaluate. And evaluate's gonna be, look at each of the goals and mark them with one, three, oop, that's a terrible three. Three, five, or 10. You mark them with a one if the goal is going to be achievable in one year, three if it's one to three year, five if it's three to five year, and 10 if it's more than five years. So it's going to be like somewhere between five year um, and up. So for parents, the goals could be, when we do this with adults, we tell them no more than 10 years because you're already adults. We're going to try to keep everything within a 10-year time period. For parents of kids, if your kid's three, you won't want to put goals in there that might be 15 or 20 years out, like you'd want them to graduate college and things like that. So that would be a 10-year goal. Anything over five years is, is counted as a 10. And what you do is, that's what you do first. The second thing you do is you count how many of these. And let's say you had 100 goals and you had 25 one-year goals and you had 25 three-year goals and 25 fives and 25 tens. Then you'd evaluate that and you'd say, good, we're in good shape. We have about an even distribution of short, medium, long-term goals. If, however, instead of this, you had 50 one-year goals and 25 three-year goals and 25 five-year goals and zero 10-year goals, that means you need to get some more long-term goals. So that next step is really important to evaluate. And then you need to add more of these and probably some more of these. So you're thinking very short-term and so on. So you'd evaluate whether or not you've got a good distribution of medium long-term goals. Sometimes people have a lot of long-term goals, not many short-term goals, and then there's not enough rewards in the middle, achievements in the middle before you get to your long-term goals. Okay, uh, step three, Usually people think this next step is the plan. Plan to get your goals. That makes logical sense. But that's not the next step. The next step is to write by each of your goals why. This is the most important step. Why you want to get each of your goals. What's the reason why they're important at all? And after you go through this process and you have, maybe you've got 60 goals written down or 100 goals, you're going to find out which ones are really important and which ones aren't. Which ones are really a big deal for your kid? They're going to make a big difference getting towards their vision and which ones are not going to make a difference at all. So after you get done with this step, you're going to, you're going to cut down the list to a smaller number. And then maybe you want, might want to go to reevaluate them again. You might want to add some more goals, but this why is the most important thing. After you get that done, the planning's not so hard because you've got some big reasons. Let me give you an example of this. Uh, there's probably tens of thousands of weight loss programs on the planet. They all pretty much work. They all work one way or another. Why isn't everybody skinny? Because it's not a big enough deal to most people. They don't have a compelling enough reason to comply with the weight loss program. It's not the magic weight loss program that's the problem. It's the why. People aren't focused on the why. So that's a good example 
of why these why this process is important. So that's really the three-step process of, of making sure you do goals properly so that what you get is 10 to 100 times more results, which is what you want to have out of your, out of your life. What other questions did you have, Master Samborn? You know, okay, so if you're talking to your kid and he's three or four years old and you're like, so what do you want to be when you grow up? They're like, I want to be a princess. How, how can you use that without discouraging the kid and saying, no, you can't be a princess because you have to be born into being a princess. <laughs> I, you know, how do you use that kind of as a stepping off point for that kid to encourage them to do stuff? I, you know, I, I wouldn't have a problem with if my kids said they wanted to be a princess, uh, they would, uh, they would need to have certain skills to be a princess, right? If your vision for your kid is that they spoke in public and they'd be able to, again, I, I bring that up a lot. I, I probably, probably like a broken record when I talk about speaking in public, but the reason is, is that, um, it's again, the number one fear in America. And we know it's a high, high leverage skill to success and work the work environment. If you want to have your own business or you want to be a CEO or you want to be a manager, or you want to be doing something that, that is higher paid, then being able to speak in front of people is a, is a high level skill. So let me just use that as an example because it kind of went along with princess. But if you're going to be a princess, well, you have to go talk to your subjects. You have to be able to speak in front of people. So let's do some stuff so you can learn to be a princess. That might be one way I'd leverage that. Um, or now if the only reason your kid wants to be a princess is they want to wear princess outfits and, and that's something, then, you know, that might be another skill that you'd want them to learn. I would want to be thinking about what skills they could learn. Do they want to learn how to make dresses? And that becomes a skill that they can learn. Do they want to learn how to, um, what other skill would go along with princess? Um, I have a, my son never wanted to be a princess. So, uh, so I, I don't have a, a menu of, of princess uh, items that I can think of off the top of my head, but I might think of something like that. Um, if they were Probably. more martial arts, what's that? Yeah. Traveling. Princesses have to yeah. travel all over. Yeah, traveling. Traveling, I think, is a really wonderful skill for kids to experience. And I sometimes that becomes expensive or time consuming, obviously, because you got to take them places and, and use some of your uh, vacation time. But experiencing other places is one of the one of the things that can help kids with self-esteem because they get to understand other places, not just go to um uh, maybe a resort and sit on a beach somewhere, but if they get to see other cultures and other, other people, that's a way to encourage them. Well, if you're going to be a princess, you got to be able to go other places. And if they have a fear of something, that might be a way to encourage them to, to overcome some fear. So I would try to use that to leverage uh, other skills that you'd like to have them develop along with along towards your division. Well, if you want to be a princess, then this is a this is something you have to learn, and I would discourage necessarily. I wouldn't necessarily encourage. Let me say it that way, making it like a reward. Well, if you want to get the princess outfit, then you've got to do X. You've got to then go learn X Y Z. That becomes punitive. That we, we it, it becomes uh, it becomes a negative on the thing that you're trying to get them to learn. An example of that would be, well, if you want to get the princess outfit that they want to wear, then you've got to go um, do something that feels painful for them if they're shy about um, doing a piano recital. Let's say that was it because you want them to do a piano recital because that was going to be 
um, expressing themselves in public. And that's what a princess does. I would try to use it the other way. Well, a princess does have to, you know, express themselves in public. So that's one reason why you have to do a piano recital and see if you can get that strategy to work rather than you can't do this unless you do this. Okay. That that's a little bit healthier way to manage, uh, behavior. And we always recommend the book one, two, three magic for parents, uh, by Thomas Phelan. It's the basis of the, in the, uh, discipline system that we use in, uh, in our schools. So that's a, another recommended thing that we've talked about a little bit in the, uh, in our podcast and in our, in our blog as well. Um, so you recommend everybody, parents, children, everybody have their own vision, everybody, and then set goals separately for everybody else. Uh, what about as a family? Is there like, this is the vision we have for our family. Do we set goals for the family? Um, is that just another way to use vision and goals? Yeah, I think that's a great idea. I, I think that that is really healthy if they if the family can do that together. But it's going to still start with the parents. The parents are establishing the vision for the family together. So you know, like you and Dr. Sanborn would be, would be establishing the goals for your family together, and then they, frankly, the kids need to comply with that. You guys have got the idea of what they what they're going to do, and then how they comply. And I think you did that with your kids, and that's why they're very successful. One of your kids has a master's degree in marine biology, and the other's super successful in the military. And uh, that that's kind of, you guys maybe didn't know that because we didn't do this podcast before that, but you, you really did have an idea of what your family was going to do and accomplish and how you're going to interact with the kids. And they had to not comply that it was by being mean, but you just had a structure for the way the family was going to operate and how it was going to be. You just didn't know you were doing that until I just said that. But, but really, that's how it was. And, 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 the, and I think families that are successful, the parents have an idea of how the family is going to operate. And it, sometimes I think when parents object to that concept, they think, well, I don't want to be pushy or I don't want to force my kids or I don't want this. And, and I understand that, that uh, response because they've probably been around parents who were really kind of do that in a mean way or make their kids do stuff and be punitive about the way they would do it, uh, spank their kids or do stuff that we wouldn't recommend in terms of, of, uh, of training their kids or working with their kids today. Um, you know, you get the vision of a kid that's, uh, uh, starting, uh, in Russia and gymnastics when they're, you know, six months old and they are in a, in a, a camp in Siberia somewhere, uh, you know, and that like, it is an extreme example of that. Nobody's saying do that, but having a framework and a structure for what you, the outcome of what your kid would like, to, you'd like your kid to, the skills you'd like your kid to have, and then providing opportunities for your kid to have those skills is what's important. And the kid's going to develop them at the pace that they can develop them at this and, and be pushed to the level that they can develop them at. And then imagine how great your kid's going to be, especially if they start young, they start young and they get, they get gently pushed to the extreme level that they can be. Imagine how great they're going to be. That's going to be incredible versus um, not paying attention to that when they're young. And then you end up with a, with an outcome where, maybe they don't get those skills and now they have to try to catch up with them when they're in high school or when they're in college and they have to learn certain skills like this. What would be the highest level of having a vision? I mean, so first level would be 
personal, we're setting a personal vision for the kid. This is what I want him to be when he's successful. And then we have another level of a family. So my community around me, what would be the highest level of having a vision? Well, we have a very specific one in our school. We call it a leadership vision. So you're leading others to then help them have a vision. And when you start doing that, then you start implementing your own personal vision more. Uh, one way that we often talk about this is like when we're teaching. So when we're teaching, we learn what we're teaching better. So if I'm teaching something to somebody, in, in our case, people think of it as our physical skills we teach people, then we learn those physical skills better. We're going to remember them better and cement them in better, a lot better. And, and by measurement, we use a rough estimate of about 10 times better. We, we learn it about 10 times better when we're teaching it than when we're learning it by ourselves. And I think if you use that example, um, when we're teaching these skills to other people, like pu pushing other people to have a better vision or pushing them to do better in their own personal life, then you have to push yourself to do better in your own personal life. You, it kind of by it's very easy for you to push yourself to do better because you're thinking about it a little bit more and it starts building just naturally inside of you. Uh, it's, uh, it's a lot easier to learn stuff when you're, when you're teaching it to other people in all, at all levels. So the leadership vision is really the highest. Now you're, now you're giving back. And we have, uh, we have kids in our leadership program that are, that are three, four, five years old. And then later on, they can be in our instructor training where they start literally training everybody directly and they have to be accepted into that. So they, it's a little bit different level. But when they're in our instructor training, then they they follow our curriculum to teach these very skills back to the other students. Um, that is about all I've got to questions on right now. Okay, well, great. I think we covered most everything. You know, I would recommend that everybody uh, meet with you or meet with one of our instructors uh, they can even do that over Zoom. If they're listening to this podcast and they're not a student yet, they can still do that uh, so that they can go through their past, present, future and kind of establish a vision. And you can go through the process with, with one of us. Uh, and then from there, then you start the goal setting process. And it goes in that direction, not backwards. And if you do this right, again, 10 to 100 times more results. I think that's that's good numbers for anybody that what we'd want in our bank account and our life and our personal life and our success in our, in our work or business or jobs. So that's a, that's a really good reason to, to do this stuff properly. And you can also go again to karatebuilt.com slash vision. And you'll get it. We've got a handout that goes over this and talks a little bit about what we talked about today. Thank you, sir. Um, that was very helpful in I've done a lot of this and I still get more out of it every time I hear the goal setting part and what I need to do next on that. So awesome. All right. Well, thanks, Master Sanborn. All right. Well, we'll see you later and see everybody later. Bye, sir. Bye, everybody.